what other real first timer things do you usually see? I know one time for me, it was a failure to really get it in the doorway tight. And I mm-hmm. actually blew the door out onto the guy's floor and it was a hand scraped Brazilian floor. And that was super oh, boy. fun. This is a one and only the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Welcome all of you out there in our value podcast land. Today we are talking blower doors and we're not just talking blower doors with anybody. We are talking blower doors with Sam Myers from Retrotech. He is their guru slash trainer slash building science guy slash guy you meet at the show. And Sam, how's it going today? Good, man. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, with all the blower doors running around out there today, Sam, you know, you've done this for a while. What do you find are the most common mistakes or problems people come across when they test a house or when they try to test a house? Let's start there. Yeah, so there's some basic setup stuff uh, that I usually see. And this is usually with folks that are coming on that are new uh, to running blower door tests. Maybe they're an insulation contractor or maybe they're an HVAC contractor that have been working for a while and then just starting to adopt air tightness testing to their business. Um, but as far as the equipment is designed, uh, it's come a long way uh, over the years uh, as far as ease of use goes. Um, you know, back in the day, we were using the, uh, the old school magnahelic manometers uh, that just gave us pressures. And then we had to do all the math on the side to convert that to flow. And uh, it was a pretty cumbersome task to do an air tightness test when this kind of first started coming out back in the early 80s. Uh, and even in the 90s, um, the mid-90s is where we came out with our first digital manometer that could actually you know, give you some flow readings. But um, but it didn't tell you done, where to put the hoses. It didn't tell you where to put the hoses. So that's that's when we came out with <laughs> color coding. So uh, you can see on this manometer, you can see each of the four ports are a different color. So our fans are yellow. Our cloth is red, so we made the yellow tube go to the yellow fan and the red tube go to the red cloth. I mean, that's about as easy as we know how to make it with the same color uh, corresponding port on the on the manometer. So problem that solved. Part has, has been pretty pretty good. Uh, that's pretty pretty difficult to screw up. Um, and the way that we also made these manometers, you know, the way it used to be, Sometimes it's a better idea to pressurize a house and depressurize the house in certain scenarios, like maybe if there's a wood-burning fireplace with ashes, or maybe if you know that there's some mold growth along the building envelope, it's better to kind of push those spores out and bring them in. Um, but used to, and with some other manufacturers, you would have to run a separate tube from the outside to hook up to your manometer if you're going to pressurize the house. So it kind of cancel out some of that extra pressure that's happening. Well, on the manometers that we make now, it does all of that mathematically. So no matter which way you face the fan, you set up the tubing the exact same way. So you really can't screw that up either. Essentially what we're seeing that a lot of people are doing that are kind of new to this are uh, they're not matching the range on the fan 
uh, as they should on the gauge. Um, and what we've done over the past two models of manometer that we've come out with is uh, we've actually put a picture of the fan uh, on the gauge itself, on the touchscreen, so that you can see what it should look like um, on that certain range. So, for example, if I have it on ring A, there should only be just the, the, the red ring that goes around the exterior. If it's open, this ring should be off and be completely open. And the picture of the fan on your manometer should look exactly like that. Because if you have the fan set up one way and the gauge set up another, it's going to give you some wonky numbers. Um, and that's probably one of the most common calls we get about. Like, hey, I went and tested this house and got this weird number and somebody else tested it and got a different number. And usually what we come back to is we can go back and look and see what they got and find out like, hey, you got this, uh, you got your fan and your gauge mixed up. But the good thing about that is, is we can go back and figure out what it would be if they had it set up correctly. Um, so there's some ways around that without having to go back and uh, without having to go back and test the house again. But, you know, step one is knowing what you did. <laughs> yeah, I so, agree. Uh, I think that's, yeah. a, that's a good idea. So, I would say for, for those of you that, you know, if you're new to blower doors, you haven't had a blower door, what we're really talking about, when you look at the fan, there's a ring with a bunch of plugs in it and you can take out one plug, two plugs, four plugs, eight plugs. You can take the plugs out or you can take that whole ring off and that leaves another ring in the fan. Or you could even take that ring out and have a bare fan. Well, Sam and I have talked to people where they would go out and test a house with the fan set up one way. Then they would go back after they'd done the work and try and verify their numbers with the fan set up totally differently, but they never changed that in the computer or in the manometer, in the device that really studies the pressure, tries to give you a number to tell you what you did. Is that correct so far, Sam? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just, it's easy to get in a hurry and, and miss steps. So just take your time. Make sure that your setup is, is correct every time. You know, if you, uh, for example, if you go to set up your system and you go to run the test and the fan's ramping up, but nothing is happening on pressure on channel A for the house. Maybe you just forgot to plug that red tube into the port on the cloth or run it to the outside. So sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of get in a hurry and, and miss some short but important steps of, of setting up the system. So. so if we go back to what you just said, though, let's say, because, you know, there are some new people getting into this. So let's say I set up the fan, I pop out four plugs, I turn it on, the thing goes to 100%, meaning the fan sounds more like a vacuum cleaner now, and I'm not seeing numbers. What have I done wrong? Yeah, so in that case, if, you, if the fan is running 100% and you're on a smaller range like that, that just means the house is leakier than what that range is set up for, so you need to go up one. So I need to make more holes for the fan to breathe. Exactly. So what's happening is you don't have enough flow or you don't have enough air coming through the inlet side of the fan um, for it to really take a measurement. So you have to open it up bigger, go to a larger range. Uh, so that way, you know, we can measure a leakier house that way. So the leakier the house, the larger the range we're going to use. For most code built houses that I've tested, if they're existing homes, a lot of the times are going to fall in that ring a range there. So usually if I go to test the house and I'm not sure what to expect, if I know it's not like a crazy leaky historic home or something like that, uh, ring a is usually where I'm going to start. And a lot of the times, um, that's the range that I need, but yeah, like you said, if that's not, uh, 
that doesn't cut it, if I get up to 100% speed and I'm not getting a flow, then I need to open it up more because it's leakier than I thought it was going to be. And then I need to tell the computer that's what I did. Exactly. So the cool thing about uh, this new manometer that we came out this year, the DM32X, I mean, there's actually photorealistic images of each fan and each range on that fan. So you can see exactly what it should look like. So that does bring up one thing. When you say each fan, there, in fact, you know, some people may buy a used unit. They may buy something else. There are different fans over the years for your blower doors and kind of everybody's. Is that correct? Usually on our blower door fans, it's going to be like a four-digit number for the model number. So you'll see that on on a sticker on the fan or something like that if you buy a used one. So model 1000 was an older fan that we had for a while. The model 5000 is what we have now for residential properties. We make a high-powered fan, too, for um, testing leakier buildings or commercial buildings. It's the model 6000. So you always want to make sure that matches up. So like look at, look at that number on the fan and then make sure that's the, the device you select on the gauge. So if I'm planning on doing a lot of retrofit and I expect there to be leaky buildings or maybe I'm going to do some smaller commercial buildings, then really when I first buy my fan, I should probably get a 6,000 fan. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, if, if definitely. If you're going to get into commercial stuff, um, you want a little bit more uh, flow capacity there. Uh, and if you know you're going to be testing some much older homes, historic homes, or maybe some large McMansions or something like that, where you're just going to need more fan power, it might make sense to have that because between the model 5,000 and the 6,000, I mean, you get about 2,000 more CFM of flow. Uh, so that's, that's a good chunk to kind of give you that extra boost to test those larger, leakier structures. So we've got having the wrong ring in. As far mm -hmm. as getting it set up incorrectly or uh, not having the manometer understand what the fan looks like, what other things do you see that tend to fall out of whack? Yes, yeah, so kind of going back to the whole range selection thing, you know, when we get down to tighter houses, you know, we have ring A, and then what we have is called the B8 plate. It's just a plate that magnetically sticks on there that has eight holes in it. Each one is plugged up. But um, if you look at the gauge, it'll show you which holes need to be opened. And it's important to make sure that those exact same holes are opened up. You can't just open whichever four or two holes that you want, whichever range that you're on, because that's the way the fan was calibrated when it came out of the factory. So it, it does matter. You can't just open whatever holes you want. You want to make it look exactly like it does uh, in that picture on the gauge. So that, that's another one that I see uh, pretty often. Um, when you're getting down to those kind of tighter houses like that, when you need to start taking plugs out. You mentioned calibration. Is there oftentimes that calibration becomes a problem? You know, maybe when they get their door, you know, I guess that would lead also to how would I easily calibrate this thing? Calibration is, that's the only person that can really calibrate your gauge correctly is us. Um you can, but you can check it to see if it is calibrated the same way it did when it, uh, or the same way it was when it came out of the factory. Um, there's some checks that you can do to make sure it's reading properly. Um, but that's another thing that's improved over the years. You know, what we used to use were uh, analog pressure sensors, uh, which are fine. They're very accurate. Um, but what we've switched to on this new model is a digital high resolution pressure sensor. And we have found that off the shelf, they're not as great. But if you build uh, some filters and software to really dial them in, they become much better. 
than the uh, the analog ones we used to use, and they hold their calibration a lot longer. So on our older manometers, we used to have we would recommend that you would send them in every two years. Uh, now it's five years, uh, just because that digital sensor does a much better job of holding its calibration. It doesn't drift out as easily. Um, but you know, there's some other things that could happen too. You know, if you you if you're one of those people that's really rough on your equipment, you drop it a lot. You know, it could happen to be that. Uh, maybe the pressure switch or something in there has become damaged. So if you think you're getting some some wonky numbers, the convenient thing about these manometers are they're what we refer to as a two-channel manometer. So they're actually two manometers built into one housing. So one's reading building pressure, one's reading fan pressure. But they have the exact same sensor on both sides. So you could take a piece of tubing, put it on one side, put that piece of tubing on the other side, and it builds a pressure inside that tube. And they should be reading within 1% of each other uh, on the two channels. So you can set channel A and channel B both to read Pascal's. And if you connect a tubing to one side or the other, they should be reading close to the same. Um, and there's four different scenarios that you can test there uh, to make sure that it's all reading uh, correctly. If it's not, then you know that you know, something's off and it's time to send it in. So I know you guys are on the front line of this. I've I've seen you know a lot of utilities across the United States that are offering rebates and things like that. How often now are you seeing them require blower door testing for qualification for the rebate? Yeah, for utility programs, um, yeah, most of them are. I, I don't I can't really think of any off the top of my head that aren't. There's probably some out there, but um, just the the ones that I've worked with. Um, I mean, it's kind of silly not to require this because it's such an important factor of energy efficiency and knowing how that house is going to perform, knowing how much energy it's going to use and uh, being able to provide some accurate numbers to their utilities commission that they have to report to um, kind of have to pay attention to this sort of thing. It's really important because um, knowing how that house is going to leak is going to you know, be able to help us predict how it's going to consume energy. I agree with that. So what is your team seeing as the main motivator for contractors purchasing a blower door? Are you still seeing more for new construction or are you seeing an uptick in retrofit purchases? What do you guys typically see? Um, yeah, we're seeing an uptick in both. Um, you know, there, there's a few different contractor types that are uh, getting into blower door testing. We're seeing a lot of custom home builders uh, purchase blower door systems basically as a quality control tool so that they can kind of keep track of the build as things progress. As different trades come in and out, they can keep testing to see if that number changes, because if it does, after one trade left, they know exactly what happened and where to go look. Um, I know on the build show, Jake Bruton has done a couple of videos uh, through some of his builds where he'll have his whole building envelope completed, usually using zip system or something similar, and then spray foaming the roof deck. Then you can do your initial blower door test, then you can test again after windows and doors come in. And then you can test again when you get close to final, uh, just to make sure that everything is kind of staying in place. There's no you know, unnecessary holes or anything like that to make sure nothing got sealed you know, by accident or anything like that. So um, it's just a good way for them to keep track of it if, they act, if that's something that they care about. Um, and so I, I feel like more of these custom home builders uh, that aren't building a crazy amount of houses per year um, are getting into you know, quality of something that they're interested in. If I'm testing in and testing out, then, uh, you know, say I'm doing a retrofit that involves a lot of air sealing and I want to test in and test out, what should my main considerations be then when I 
when I'm going back or I'm trying to make sure, you know, I'm getting exactly what I want. That initial test before you do any air sealing, it, you're kind of doing two things there. You're getting your initial blower door number. You're, you're seeing where that house is as it stands. And then you're you know, going around and finding where the leaks are located. So with the blower door, uh, you can use some additional tools to kind of lead you in the right direction of where some of these problems are occurring of why it's so leaky. So, for example, if the weather cooperates, um, you can use thermal imaging with your blower door. So if you're depressurizing the house, what you're doing is you're exaggerating the leakage in there, pulling outside air and through the leaks. And if it's, uh, say, if it's maybe a cold day and they've been running the heat, uh, it's warmer inside than outside. So you can see that cold air come in. Um, with the thermal camera as you're exaggerating it with the blower door. Uh, and the cool thing about that is if you've never seen that before, if you're depressurizing with the blower door, um, just because you're seeing a different color on the building envelope doesn't mean that's a leak. But with the blower door, what it does is it kind of causes that air to streak across surfaces. And that's how you can really tell if it's an air leak or not. Um, so it really kind of helps you differentiate between that or thermal bridging or moisture or something else. If we've got this right, so far, you know, most of your first timer issues are going to be having the right ring, um, obviously getting the volume correct, yeah. uh, you know, having the correct ring on the fan. What other real first timer things do you usually see? I know one time for me, it was a failure to really get it in the doorway tight. And I mm -hmm. actually blew the door out onto the guy's floor and it was a hand scraped Brazilian floor and that was super oh, fun uh, so what what other first timer issues do you really see with a door speaking of that um as far as setting up the door into the doorway like that um you've got a couple of different ways you can do that what i like to do is just take the cloth and spread it across the floor do a rough fit with my frame um don't get it super tight yet because that cloth is going to take up some room around the edges and then lay the frame down on the cloth kind of wrap it like a president velcros in place and then you go back again and readjust uh, to make sure it's nice and tight in there. Um, and then you adjust your cam levers, you know, put your uh, middle cross members in and, you know, give it a good tug, make sure it's not going to go anywhere um, just to make sure it's not going to go flying off somewhere. But uh, some other people, uh, they like to drape the cl uh, cloth over the, uh, maybe they'll have the, the front door open. They'll drape the cloth over the front door so it's vertical and then wrap the uh, cloth around the frame that way. Both are correct. It just depends on, you know, which one you like to do. But either way, it is important to make sure you have a good tight fit in there so it doesn't pop out. Well, and uh, obviously, you know, we want everybody out there to be, you know, disabling or turning off the mechanical system, shutting off any fuel sources that are going to be open combustion, yep. such as a water heater, a fireplace. Uh, you know, a furnace, but uh, beyond that, and I know, you know, you really need to clean out the fireplaces and the yeah. uh, wood stoves, but what else do you see? You know, I know you go around and you listen for leaks through the windows, but out of the first timer issues, you know, those are the ones we know about. What, what do you guys see when you're like, wow, didn't expect that. It just depends on what methods you have to find leaks. Um, of course, the house setup is important. Make sure all your windows are closed and latched and make sure all your interior doors are open. Uh, what we're trying to achieve uh, whenever we run a blower door test throughout the house is what we refer to as pressure uniformity. We want the same 50 Pascal pressure all throughout the house and bedroom doors and inter other interior doors behave like dampers. 
So we don't want to close off one section of the house. Um, we want to make sure everything is opened up. So that's the first thing is just getting the house set up appropriately. Um, and then just double checking those windows, making sure the latch, because we don't want to count that. I mean, that's not real, real leakage. Um, if a window is going to be open, so it'll, it will affect our number. Um, but a lot of the leaks that we find, uh, especially in older homes, uh, I would say a lot of them are on the top and the bottom. Uh, a lot of times we have a vented attic uh, sitting on top of the living space. Uh, there's all kinds of penetrations and openings that can occur there, uh, chases, uh, dead spaces in the house that aren't capped. It's like having a window open in the worst possible place. Uh, same thing at the bottom. If we have a vented uh, crawl space or an unconditioned basement, sometimes we'll find some funky stuff down there too. And um, one tool that really helps me find that stuff pretty easily is a handheld fog emitter. Um, so like the, the tiny S fog generator. So the one tough thing about finding an air leak is air is invisible, right? We can't see what's going on. But if we flip the fan around and pressurize the house and we discharge some of that fog into the air, it's going to show us how that air is moving through the house and will eventually go to get pushed out. Air follows the path of least resistance. So if there's some big holes somewhere, chances are it'll kind of lead us to where those places are. Um, and if we focus a lot on that ceiling plane and floors and we kind of have an idea of how the house is built, testing out some possible spaces and things like that. I mean, if there's a big leak there, that smoke is just going to zip right into it. Um, so there's really no question if there's um, an issue there or not. So that's one of my favorite tools to use. And it's, uh, it's also good to use after you spray foam to roof deck too. So if you have that attic hatch open and there's smoke blowing right in through there after a spray foam job, chances are some spots got missed. So it's a good quality control tool as well. I'm glad you brought that up because I, you know, obviously we've started teaching on that in the class, but I've seen where you were going out and testing these spray foamed houses where they truly believed they had an encapsulated attic and they, they wound up not having it. I guess my question for you, and I know you, you probably get more calls from where there would be a logical concern, but how often do you find a crawl space or an attic that was meant to be, you know, encapsulated and you just find that there were areas they missed. Yeah. I would say more, more times than not. <laughs> um, really? I, I live in Wilmington, North Carolina and spray foam is becoming pretty popular option here. And I'm seeing a lot of open cell spray foam jobs that are just awful. Um, if you look at them from the, if you look at them with a thermal image, I mean, it kind of looks like a Christmas tree. Um, sometimes you'll just see all kinds of, of openings there. And a lot of the most common places that get missed are right there at the soffit uh, because they didn't really provide themselves with any backing to spray again. Um, so we see a lot of that too. So I talked about the handheld smoke generator earlier. Um, we actually make a larger version of that uh, so you can smoke an entire attic. And if you pressurize it with the blower door, you can have somebody on the outside to look and see where it's coming out. And a lot of the times if it's, if we find that it's leaky just from some initial handheld smoke testing, a lot of the times it's right there at the soffit where they miss. Um, but uh, if there's some weird roof details or something like that too, um, we can, you know, a lot of times that'll get missed, you know, where one material meets another. So uh, that, that smoke is a pretty handy way to find it pretty quick. But if you're going to go that route, whether if you use the one that we make or like one of those big Halloween fog machines or something like that, let the fire department know <laughs> because It'll kind of look like the house is on fire if you're blowing a bunch of fog out of it and a neighbor might call. So um, good idea to give them a heads up. 
Yeah, my understanding is if they come out and there's not, there's usually a charge for that. Yeah, there could be a fine for that. So, yeah, that's just a good thing to get out in front of. But um, I know I have a video on on our YouTube channel. Um, one of our customers did just that, uh, did a roof test uh, with the, the large smoker that we carry. And you could just see it dumping out of the soffit from the outside. I mean, he was able to get some really good video to explain to the homeowner exactly what happened. And that, that spray foam job, just because spray foam is there doesn't mean it's doing what it's supposed to do. It just was not installed properly. A lot of spots got missed. His name is John Esquivel. He's a HVAC contractor in Austin. He really focuses on home performance too, because we have a lot of HVAC contractor customers that are beginning to understand like, okay, just because it's a comfort issue doesn't mean it's an HVAC issue. A lot of the times it's a building issue too. So it's good to be able to differentiate the two. Uh, and see if it's in your wheelhouse or not, or if it's, you know, something else that needs to get covered by another trade to come in and seal something up. So we're seeing quite a bit of that too. <laughs> well, when you're on a retrofit with a blower door, what have you found customers cared about the most? Like what motivated most of them to actually fix their structure? You know, often we can point something out and they're like, oh, yeah. But when when you see it, what do you find has really motivated them? Yeah, it's, it's a few things. Usually it's comfort. You know, if you can't sleep well at night, that's going to motivate you to, to do something to fix it. And a lot of times what happens is if there's a comfort issue, if there's a hot or cold bedroom, an HVAC contractor gets the call, right? Well, mm -hmm. more times than not, they don't really understand building envelopes. Um, so... Unfortunately, what happens sometimes is that a homeowner will try something that an HVAC contractor will recommend, doesn't work. Uh, and then they finally, you know, do this enough times, you're like, oh, okay, so it's not HVAC, it's something else that we need to look at. I need a blower door test. Um, so fortunately, blower door testing has become a little bit more mainstream, actually a lot more mainstream than it used to be. Um, more contractors are offering it, we're seeing it like on this old house and things like that too. So. Homeowners are beginning to become more aware of it, um, to find that, that uh, this is a, a method that they can use to figure out what's going on. Um, you know, in the pandemic, when that started in 2020, indoor air quality was another thing. You know, more and more people have been working from home, and so they've been realizing, like, okay, I don't feel great when I wake up. Um, I feel better when I leave my house, things like that. And so they'll want to have an indoor air quality assessment done, and usually a blower or test involved with that. Um, to see, you know, where are these sources of you know, contaminants and things like that are coming from. Um, so that's another one. But uh, I would say the other one that really motivates people to get this kind of test done is uh, structural defects, especially if it's on in a humid climate on a vented crawl space. Um, if you have uh, a lot of leakage there uh, in the crawl space itself, uh, it can cause rot. Uh, we see that happen quite a bit. So getting a blower door test done. Um, to see how that uh, house living space is connecting to a vented crawl space below can solve a lot of problems. Uh, so, you know, when this came out, we really focused on energy, energy efficiency. People just kind of get used to what they pay. Um, energy efficiency, unless it's just really through the roof, um, isn't really a big motivator uh, for homeowners to get a blower door test done. Usually it's going to be comfort or indoor air quality or, you know, something that's so bad that it's causing structural issues. I would throw in also there's there's a certain level of I guess they they want to like where they live. I I was walking into a home here in Dallas, a very large house. 
And as soon as you came in the front door, what you smelled was dirt. And mm-hmm. you, you knew it was crawl space. And it was simply because a lot of times you have leaky ductwork. If I have supply leaks, meaning I have greater return than I have supply, this was drawing air out of the crawl space up into the main living area. And when guests came over, I mean, this was right next to the dining room that you would be smelling dirt. And, you know, we're talking 20 steps from the front door, the giant foyer next to that's the dining room, the whole front foyer, living room, dining room smelled like dirt. They obviously wanted that fixed. So I, I agree with that. Now I want to talk about another thing because a lot of them, you know, you want to share numbers, you want to give them proof. Um, Talk a little bit about R Cloud and and how you would use that in a retrofit. Why you see R Cloud? I see it as a tremendous value, but I'd I'd rather them hear it from you. Yeah, it's just it's such an easy way to document what's going on. Um, what R Cloud is, we came we've had this app for a good little while now that was working with the DM32. You would pair it wirelessly with your phone or tablet, and you just. Tell it how the house is set up, how big the house is, where it's located. If you're connected to the internet, it'll geolocate where you are, validate the address. Um, weather data, it would pull that for you as well. Uh, and then it would record and report every aspect about that blower door test. Uh, and you would always have a report that you could get to um, that's located on our server. But now it's just built into the gauge. Uh, you don't have to pair it with a phone or anything like that. Um, and it will always be on there every time you open the app. And you don't need an internet connection to run it. Uh, you can input those parts manually, but if you can tether it uh, to get a uh, to get internet connection, like from your you know, smartphone or whatever, it, it helps to you know geolocate and things like that. But you don't. It's not something you have to have. You can still use it. But when you're talking about retrofitting a house, you know you see those commercials for weight loss where you see the before and after photos. You can kind of think of the R-Cloud reported your before and after photos uh, for the retrofit. And it has the papers to prove that you did something. If you went in an air sealed, you can see how much you brought that uh, house down uh, as far as that blower door number goes, what percent it came down, things like that. Um, sometimes some weatherization programs will, uh, to get funding, they'll you know want you to come down 30% or something like that. So um, you can easily document that without even having to write anything down. It's just stored there on the gauge. And it saves it forever? Yeah, it'll always be in there. Um, if, when you open up the app, you can see all the addresses that you've tested. Uh, and so if you click on one of those, you can see how many tests you've done there, what the dates were, um, and what the what those numbers were. So if I did quite a few in a neighborhood, I could literally pull up different homes in that area who probably were you know, from a similar builder, we'll say, and mm-hmm. show them what I was capable of doing. Exactly. You also have something called a virtual gauge, which, you know, helps you train your people on the manometer. But in the past, I know you guys had an entire back end to your website that uh, there were training videos of various people who had done, you know, retrofits, new construction, zonal pressure diagnostics. Is that still available to people that buy blower doors? Do you still have those resources for them? Yeah, so if, if you buy a RetroTech blower door, um, you can register it 
on the website. And then it comes with a virtual training um, that walks through all of that. So some basic building science stuff, how to get the readings that you need, um, how to uh, avoid some of these common uh, mistakes and things like that that we go through. So that comes with every system. So you just have to register it and then you get an email um, that you can access it and take it at your own pace. But uh, along with that, uh, our YouTube channel is just packed. There's a series that I have there called Technical Tuesdays. Uh, it's a playlist on our YouTube channel. Um, I think there's 50 videos on there now. But uh, basically, the topics come from some of the most common questions we get from our tech support team. Well, that is excellent. Well, Sam, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. Guys, we are also going to put together a quick video on a walkthrough of a blower door with Sam, and we'll post that to the IDI website as well. But Sam, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. You know, let's uh, if we get some questions in or something like that, maybe we can do a follow up. And you know, I'm happy to pop on at any time. So thanks for the invite. That sounds great. Well, folks, you heard it here. If you have more questions about blower doors, by all means, send them in. We will have another one of these with Sam. And if you have questions on blower doors, fiberglass, spray foam, any of the products we sell, reach out to your local branch. Reach out to anyone at IDI where we look forward to earning your business every day.